Here we are again for another edition of the Weekly Driver Podcast. I'm Bruce Aldrich, and on the phone with me today is my colleague, James Rea. James, how you doing? Good, Bruce. Hi. Thanks uh, Thanks for that. It's, it's nice to talk to a friend while we're traveling. And um, this week, uh, as I've done for 14 years now, I'm covering the Tour of California bike race, the Amgen Tour of California. It's the largest bicycle race we have uh, in the United States. And it has a lot of uh, Tour de France world champion guys in it. And it also this year has uh, a surprising team. It's a, a national team, and there's one veteran rider, and there's six young guys, all 24 years and younger. But, uh, you know, with a bike race, people have to get around. So it, it ties into our world of uh, cars because um, I'm driving a nice Volkswagen Jetta um, GLI, and also there's probably 100 or 200 other vehicles in, in what they call the caravan that travels with the bike race. We started in Sacramento uh, last Sunday. The race went to South Lake Tahoe. It's progressed a few days, and now I'm just taking a little bit of a break uh, in Soledad on my way to Morro Bay. Wow. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, as you call it, the caravan, how many uh, motor vehicles are involved in a bike race. You've got uh, not only the, the crew logistics and getting bikes here and there and uh, the, the bike riders around when they're not racing, but all the, the CHP and uh, police, the motorcades, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Thanks for reminding me of that. And yeah, In addition to all the teams having cars, usually each team has two team cars that that support the riders with uh, spare bikes and spare parts and water bottles. And they have to kind of weave through the, the progression of cyclists. But just as you mentioned, there's the CHP in every different jurisdiction, uh, local police. Um, and then the, the team also teams also have either, uh, some of them have this, this week, a sprinter, the Mercedes Benz, um, you know, the, a bike, uh, com- um, automobile like that, or well, some of them have motorhomes, depending upon maybe they're a big European team. So it, it when you see it going down the road, you know it's. I don't want to say it's a mile of, of stuff, but it's it's a long progression of cars and vehicles that are ahead of the riders, and then a long procession of uh, vehicles kind of who mix in with the riders if needed, and then there's a whole bunch of vehicles behind the group including what's called the broom broom wagon which is the you know the traditional last vehicle that has actually they put brooms behind it it's it, they have fun with it it, it cleans up uh, you know uh, theoretically it cleans up the back of the road with stuff's been dropped or it just uh, mostly it just signifies the end of the race and you don't, you don't want to be caught by the broom truck no no <laughs> no you don't want to have to jump whether you're a rider or anybody else who gets in a bad way, you don't want to be, you don't want to be relegated to the broom wagon. It does happen from time to time, um, but it's it's more uh, tradition and uh, it's just part of the the fun part of bicycle racing that people don't sometimes see. But it's uh, it's one of the great traditions, like the Lantan Rouge, the Red Lantern that that the last rider gets. These these traditions, you know, go back more than a hundred years in, in bike racing. Yes, and you've got a uh, VW. Uh if you're driving, it's a, uh, yeah. a Jetta GLI, I believe, a 228 horsepower turbo motored Jetta. That how's, how does it ride? Oh my gosh! You know, we 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 both been doing reviews for a long time and talked about it on on our podcast. But I think you and I are both in agreement that that Volkswagen, despite 
you know some of its issues in recent years um, with the diesel that um, this this car just goes into the, the big plus area of, of Volkswagen. Um, a lot of, a lot of car for the money. It's a, a thirty one thousand dollar car with you know a bunch of extras, and it um, it just scoots along quite well. It's not it's not super fast, but it's got that. Uh, speed uh, when you need it, the authority to you know pass cars and to turn on the road, and its maneuverability is is, is quite nice. It's a, a four door uh, with kind of a, a little bit of a, you know sports car leanings, although it's an, a, it's a sedan. I've driven about 600 miles so far in, in the bike race, a little bit less than 600. And one of the surprising things is that the EPA estimates on this car are. Uh, 25 in the city and 32 on the highway. When I filled up yesterday, um, uh, early evening, I noticed that so far on the trip I've averaged 37 miles per gallon. So it's gotten five miles more than um, its highway estimate and just under 10 miles more uh, than, its, than its combined estimate. So that, that's a big wow. plus. Are you putting premium in it, you cheapskate, or are you putting regular? I put regular in so far. Ah. I, I think I think the first I think the first fill up was was premium. You know when I get the cars from the manufacturer sure. liaison companies, yeah. but I I just used eighty seven and uh, you know I've had no problems. We we began the race in Sacramento and I drove up to South Lake Tahoe, and you know because having a um, you know residence uh, part time up in that area in Truckee that you know you've got to kind of scoot around some of those mountain roads and. And it it takes some, horsepower to go up those babies. Yeah, yeah. It takes horsepower, and you got to be on your game a little bit. And you know, there was some water coming off the side of the mountain a little bit. There's still plenty of snow, and and uh, I felt very confident in this car. Um, sometimes, you know, passing a slower vehicle or just making my way up to what about seven thousand feet, I guess. I I just felt really good. The car grips the road. It's got one of those flat steering wheels at the bottom. You know, that they're kind of cool to have. And um, it just shifts through gears um, just very smoothly, and uh, you know a big a big plus for this car. Uh, other than the fact that I mentioned it doesn't it isn't equipped with uh, a navigation system, so I've been using my my uh, directional map on my um, on my iPhone, which connects quite well to the screen of the car, and the directions are fine, and it's a pretty intuitive. Um, system but it was it was a little bit of disappointment that there wasn't a, a navigation system included but all things considered um major you know major plus on on this vw uh, gli huh did, did, are you indicating that it's a manual uh no no i'm not it's it's a it's a um, automatic transmission okay Here's, it, the it, way uh, you're saying you're shifting i didn't know if you're playing with paddle shifters or no, or, or a gearbox it, it has it, it has the pedal shifters, but maybe when they go to Southern California, we get over to Mount Baldy, which is at what ten thousand feet. I'll uh, I'll, I'll uh, experiment with the pedal shifters, but I haven't so far. No, it's just that it's just that smooth automatic transmission where you know you you don't even know sometimes um, that it's 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 changing gears. I don't know the exact terminology there, but they just seem to the automatic transmissions. Uh, you know as well as I, they just seem to be so smooth these days that yeah. um, it's, uh, it's a, it make you buy an automatic transmission, if, even if you're a person who likes manuals. Okay, I see. So it's smooth shifting, and it seems to be in the right gear at the right time. Exactly. Thank you. You said that much better than I did. <laughs> <laughs>
Much okay. better than I did. <laughs> so you've got 600 miles under your belt, and you're, what day, is this, what, about four or five? And yeah, yeah this, is, this is day four, and uh, today we're going to go down to Morro Bay. It's obviously not going to be a very, it's going to appear to be a very nice day. It's raining here as well. And um, I've, I've gone into the, I've gone into the team areas after each stage, and and uh, even though I've been covering bike racing for you know 35 years now, it's it's really interesting to see when those cars come in after a stage. Um, there have been a couple accidents, you know, fender benders, uh, scrapes on the road, um, and to see but to see all the the team the different team cars. For example, this year the the um, the new team in the event is a new U.S. national team. What they've done is they've gotten a permission to have um, seven riders come from their trade teams, four different trade teams, to compete as a national team. Uh, and, and USA Cycling hasn't done that in the race for since 2007. So they, they got all, they've got one veteran guy and, and, and four, six guys, 24 and under. And the team um, negotiated a deal with Volvo. So they have these two V60 uh, station wagons that I was talking to the team director. Um, there's two team directors, Michael Creed and Michael Sayers, and Sayers is the head team director. And he's a big car guy, and um, he got in this car, and he was telling me, well, typical Volvo, you know, they're, they're Swedish cars. They're obviously owned by a, a Chinese company now, but they're still made in Sweden. And he said, it's, it's just a beautiful driving car. You're on, the, you're on the mountain roads. The car is heavy, but it's, it's winding its way, and it's wide enough and long enough they're carrying all the team bikes, you know, so it isn't like sometimes the teams get smaller cars where the bikes kind of look awkward on the top of the car. This is just a um, uh, surprisingly large wagon, and yet it's slick and, and it's going really well through the, through the mountains. So they've, they've got this nice new deal with, with Volvo to, um, to help the national team. Oh, that sounds like a great deal. Yeah, Volvos are very distinctive inside. You know, they don't look like the German cars or Japanese or American. They're they got their own look, and yeah, yeah they they are they are a nice driving car. But so these uh, S60s were what are like four or five bikes on each one. Yeah, uh, the, I think that I, if I said S, I meant V. So it's the V. V60. Oh, okay. Yeah, the V is in victory, and um, yeah, they they've got. Uh, four or five extra bikes and in the back you know that's just stockpiled with with uh, supplies for the team um you know uh food that they give in their in their feed bags when they get to the feed zones bunch of extra water bottles some extra wheels you know whatever they might need mechanics tools you know you name it they, they've got it in those cars and and they pretty much have to be a bike shop on the road um if if need be like the other day um up to up to lake tahoe uh, one of the guys in the race who I had never met before, his name is Travis, Travis McCabe, and he um, he finished second to Peter Sagan in stage one, and then going up to South Lake Tahoe, he was he was in the first group, uh, not the breakaway, but the first group, and then he flatted with about oh a couple of miles to go, and the team car kind of shot by him uh, because the finish was pretty chaotic, but he was able to get a new bike and. Uh, caught up to the group and finished without losing too much time but it took them you know quite a bit of energy to get back up to that group so they the, the race cars the team cars could be prepared for almost anything but there could be a situation where they have to scoot around 15 guys 
or police cars coming by, or there's a cyclist in the road. So you, they never know if they're going to quite be able to help at certain moments. But oftentimes you just, you know, they'll get a call that maybe on, on, a, on a sad note, a rider's down somewhere. They, they crashed into a cattle guard or whatever it is, or they flatted. And you just see these cars scoot out of the group and just fly down the road um, to get to a, to get to a rider. And they have to do it all with permission and they have to do it safely. And it's, uh, you've been to the Tour de France with me, and you've been to other bike races. It's sometimes you just see these cars whipping around these corners, and it looks like they're going on two wheels. But the drivers are all, for the most part, pretty skilled. Well, I don't know how skilled they are, but you're right. The uh, uh, it looks like chaos. Those team cars got to be the most dangerous things out there on the course. Yeah, it's it's pretty. They they sometimes in pretty drastic situations, Dave. Uh, whether it's a media car who's trying to go along with the race. I don't do that anymore. Um, but there are guys who are in, in, in cars who try to follow along. And, and there's been guys who have had their media stickers pulled, or there's been many, many accidents through the years, whether it's a motorcycle. You know, the, the cameramen, the photographers are sitting on sometimes on the on those swivel bikes, and they're, they're facing their back-to-back with the driver of the bike, and those guys have gone down, and, and there's been some pretty tragic situations through the years where it's it's just like uh, it's it can't get any worse. Guys have go, gone over cliffs, and a few people have died, or that of spectators in the road. So it it takes everything they have to concentrate every day, and and sometimes it you know things just go awry. Yeah, I know. I, I like the uh, the can the candy sponsors who throw out candy as they're driving by at 25, 30 miles an hour. <laughs> Candy yeah, goes all over the road, and then guess what? There's a you know another maybe a police car or whatever right behind, and uh, it's yeah. sometimes tragic uh, results from that. Yeah, the the we used to call that the caravan of crap because they would throw these what they call trinkets, whether it's candy or some sponsor's little uh, you know toy or whatever it might be. Paint um, sometimes it was, used to be just paper, and it would it would get everywhere, and it could get on somebody's windshield or somebody would jump at the last second from the, the spectators to get something that's worth sure. a nickel and, and yeah. put their life at risk. But but it is, it is it, to me, it's it's really ironic. I don't even know if ironic. It's it's a quite a dichotomy to see people in these, you know, these guys who are the best endurance athletes in the world putting in all this effort on their bike, and they're all perfectly fit, and they're all doing great, and yet they have, we have to rely on cars to, to get from, start to finish in the old days um i could go on here a bit but the the press that was covering the tour de france way way back in the day would would ride their bikes um and they had to be pretty fit you had to be pretty pretty fit to be a journalist but they wouldn't do every stage and maybe they'd go on train transfers but sometimes they'd, they'd ride their bikes and um you know try to cover the event as best they could um <laughs> Now, now the press is uh, a little older and a little heavier around the waist, and uh, they're sitting there eating free food at the finish line when the riders come uh, in. Is that right? Is that are you are you saying are you telling me a, a personal uh, <laughs> you, give me a personal dig there? It happens to be absolutely true, but uh, but I did talk to a guy. There's a guy here from uh, one of the cycling magazines. Um, his name is Edward, and real good guy. He's writing this big piece about. A cycling culture in Northern California, and um, he interviewed me the other day. Uh, Ed Pickering is his name, and 
we were talking about Davis, you know, with all the bikes in Davis. And we were talking about Sacramento and how many times tours come there. But he, um, he's a pretty good old, he's a pretty good marathon runner. He told me he was trying for a very long time to break three hours, and he he ran the Yorkshire, I believe it was the Yorkshire marathon, and he, he did it. And I think he said two fifty three. So he he looks pretty good. He's he's younger than us old guys, but. Um, I thought, man, that's good. He says, well, yeah, now that I broke three, now I want to break 250. So the, there are people in the in the media of uh, cycling who, you know, ride their bikes. Uh, there are people who run, but there's a fair share of us who maybe used to do that and, and kind of <laughs> maybe only do it a few times a week. And, and you're right, it's kind of a little softer sure. in the middle. So what kind of cars? Uh, you've, you've, you mentioned Sprinter vans are important to some of the teams. you got those V60 Volvos, or what are some of the other team cars? Well, the the race sponsor is Lexus, so I oh, okay. a, a, lot, a lot of Lexus SUVs, um, some sedans, and they have you know VIP stickers on them. They have uh, uh, let's see, um, what, there's one sticker that's kind of funny. It says something like uh, uh, "important staff." Or there's a funny sticker like "important staff" as opposed to the unimportant staff. Right. That says you at the bike race. So. Um, the team directors, the commissaires of the, of the race, um, Lexus has provided those vehicles, you know, at the last several years at least as the as the race sponsor. And you know, individual teams. There um, there was a team a few years ago that uh, swung a deal with uh, Porsche and had uh, Panoramas uh, at the race. Panamera. That was pretty, Panamera. What did I? I said Panamera. Panamera. Uh huh. Uh, and uh, that didn't that last. That was just a one-year deal. But the the sponsors of the of the teams, you know, the marketing department goes out and tries to find these sponsors. So, you know, one year you might see like this year you might see Volvo, which is great, and then next year or maybe this year, you know, you might see uh, Subaru or you might see Cad of all things Cadillac or Ford. Um, if they if they swing a deal, then that the, that company you know gets on TV, lots of exposure. And, and I don't know any of the particulars of how it works financially, but um, it's it's pretty good because the you know the race has network television and you know the the cars get some good um, some good TV exposure and they might do some community outreach. They might take a cycle or two to a school in one of the team cars. So sure, on yeah. some level, it must work for the manufacturers to, to sponsor events. And maybe they'll do it for a season and other races. Uh, maybe they'll only do it for big races. I'm not quite sure about how uh, it works for all the different teams. The Weekly Driver podcast gets support from americantrucks.com. Visit www.americantrucks.com. Two to three hundred in the caravan. Yeah, yeah. With all the, with all the different with all the police jurisdictions, and uh, you know, you get you check into a hotel. And if you're staying at the same place where the CHP or the or the local guys are staying, you see all of the motorcycle motorcycles lined up um, side by side by in front of a hotel. Sure. And and then I then I forgot there's you know they they have to have these rail companies that like you all and others that uh, you know break down the stages, break down the equipment at the finish, you know provide all other all other kinds of auxiliary stuff during the race. So. You know, you, you pull into a hotel and there might be um, all the team vehicles, you know, maybe 10 or so different 
uh, U-Haul type trucks that have to go. They go in the middle of the night. You know, whenever those guys go, they go at a different time than the, the race goes because they have to be there early and they break down late. So yeah, leave us. <laughs> Each city, it's it's like setting up a, the circus, you know. Yeah, and sometimes it's a funny thing, you know. You look, you look to see how do I get from point A to point B, and it says turn left on Main Street, and you go down Main Street. Main Street's blocked off because there's twenty twenty U-Haul trucks in the middle of the street. And the guy will direct you some other way. So sometimes you can't even leave a town the way you want to leave it because they're still breaking down a, a, a race, which of course they have to do, and they have a right to be there and everything, but. And you just have to say, well, I'll, I'll find another way, and I'll go three blocks over this way and four blocks over this way, and, and I'll find my way, which I've gotten used to over the years. But sometimes there's a, you know, there's a backup of traffic, and, and people who live in a certain city sometimes don't. Everybody seems to like that the race is in town, but sometimes there's some, you know, some older people or some younger people who don't understand that you know once a year they're going to have a bike race, and they're not very happy because they can't get to Starbucks or they can't get to the grocery store for a few hours. And sometimes you see a little, a few little race tempers, but the police take care of that, you know. They sure. take straight. I remember at one point you were considering uh, using a fully electric vehicle to run the tour route. Do you, as you're yeah, ha- halfway I, I, through, do you think that would be feasible yet? Uh, I, I think so. You know, we I did that hydrogen car um, last year at the at the Truck California. I had the the Honda. Uh, uh, what was it? Clarity? Honda, it- Honda Clarity. Thank you. I'm a little foggy this morning, but I had the Clarity, and, and I, I loved it. I loved going in the HOV lane uh, when you could. I, I loved kind of mapping out. You had to be kind of diligent, mapping out where the stations were located. And, of course, I uh, I, I got very specific instructions from Honda, and the guy was the engineer was great. And, of course, I ran out of hydrogen. I didn't take his advice one day, and, and as it turned out, it was part of the experience. Honda has a, you know, a program where if you do run out, they'll come get you and they'll tow you to the next hydrogen uh, station. And I experienced that. I had to wait a few hours. But um, if if I could, I, I would have liked, and maybe next year or some other bike race, I would like that experience of taking a, uh, a fully electric car. I, as you know, I had the, the Nissan Leaf extended range what was that maybe about a month ago and and I just thought that car was the real deal with all the all the um, extras all the incentives there are with that car it, it it seems like quite a reasonable car for the money once you start getting the the rebates from various um, you know municipalities and you get some reback rebate from the federal government you get one from the state of California so it's it's quite a deal. But yeah, that's a good point. I would I would love to negotiate that and write about it every day, you know, where I recharged, uh, how how it went. Um, is it is it feasible? Is it is it feasible that the average person could could be won over by an electric car? Because as you know, the the sales of the cars, while everybody likes to talk about them, it's still a pretty low number of how it's influenced the the industry. Well, we were really impressed with that new uh, extended uh, range Leaf. The uh, it had the, the one pedal driving, so you don't ever have yeah. to use the brakes. That was kind of an interesting uh, feature, and it, and it really worked well. It was easy to get used to, and yeah, uh, I thought it was great. And it was just amazing how, uh, how fast that thing was. Wasn't that something, Bruce? It was. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like five seconds, right? Five point one seconds from zero to sixty, something like that, and. Uh, 
boy, it was it was comfortable. The the, the leaf is com- comfortable. It looks kind of small, but it's like other cars. They have these engineers who make the interiors somehow bigger than they seem to be from the outside. Yes, and the uh, the car looks decent now. Finally, too, you don't look like you're driving in some kind of a you know science experiment. It looks like a yeah, not, traditional <laughs> they're car. Not, they're not moon vehicles. Remember those early? No. <laughs> That's what I call them, moon vehicles. No, they look. It looks pretty sharp, and a lot of people commented on that car. A lot of people have commented on the car that I have this week. The the Jetta it has a nice look to it. The design is is nice. It has that um, the exact color of it's pretty cool. It's um, is called pure gray, and it looks like that kind of flat, those flat finishes that you see sometimes on cars that look pretty cool. Um, so it, it's, it's turned a couple of heads on the road. Uh, I have been in a couple of tight spots, you know, where you're on a freeway entrance and you see an 18-wheeler coming, and you think, well, I could slow down and get behind this 18-wheeler, or I could, you know, punch it a little bit. And I've done that a few times, and it's like, oh, boy, that was fun. You know, I could, with the turbocharger, there's very little lag, and and you can you can punch it pretty good and, and get ahead of people. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm more hesitant as a driver as I get older. But this trip, I've taken a couple of uh, not that it was unsafe, but I've I've been more aggressive uh, than I than I sometimes am when I when I'm driving. Well, when in doubt, put the throttle down. <laughs> That's right. Well, going back to the Volvos, they had they did have one of the one of the Volvos got. Uh, gotten a little bit of a, an accident the other day. It was There was no injuries. It was minor. They scraped something or they uh, a vehicle hit. I'm not sure of the circumstances, but um, despite it getting in an accident, uh, you know, it showed that those cars uh, weigh a ton in, in a good way. They're very solid and, and the car's fine and and, uh, and everybody else who was in the car is fine and the other people in the other vehicle were fine. But uh, that's, that's bike racing, you know, um, if you if you come through a bike race in, in a vehicle and it hasn't been scraped or been in some other uh, situation that was you know a little bit gnarly, consider yourself fortunate because um, they got they have to go on mountain roads. You're you're at high speed sometimes. You're at slow speed. You're darting in and out of bicycles, and it can be a little precarious sometimes. Sure, no doubt. So what so, do you what do you expect is going to happen in the next three four days on the tour? Are you uh, are you going to scrape your uh, GLI up? No, I'm going to be safe, and I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a 64 year old driver and, and and do the right thing. And I, I'm not going to I don't follow the race like I used to. I don't get in the mix with the cyclists. They have very good television coverage, you know, uh, close circuit, and then it's it's on NBC. So they have they have this thing called the Tour Tracker, which um, gives you more information than you could ever get if you follow the riders. And then the NBC telecast is on. Um, I think it's for the last two or three hours of each stage on uh, MSNBC and then NBC on the weekends. So I, I, I don't get in the mix of the caravan anymore um, just because I've done it and uh, it's great, but I don't have to do it anymore. Uh, the race itself, we're going into Southern California. Uh, we're on Monterey Peninsula today over to Morro Bay. And then we venture on down and there's the, the mother stage, uh, the queen stage, which is uh, to Mount Baldy. And that's a you know pretty famous ride that people know about, and the it, it, the the last the last climb is uh, you know is is pretty much like a, a major Tour de France climb into the Alps or the Pyrenees. It's uh, it's inf- an infamous climb. So the guys who are toward the top of the standings um, when they get there will likely be the same guys who uh, 
will be at the top of the stand. There will be no surprises. It will be a battle of the guys who, who are going to win uh, the overall bike race. Um, some of the surprises, you know, Mark Cavendish is a guy from Great Britain who's been around forever, you know, 150 or so victories in his career. and He's been at the back of the pack. He he announced that he, he was completely healthy from his Epstein-Barr uh, circumstances, but it doesn't appear that way. He's been way at the back with a teammate, uh, Bernard Iso, has fallen back to try to help him get through the sort of the mountains we've had so far. Um, Peter Sagan, um, you know, won, won the stage to Sacramento, but you know he's kind of fallen back in the in the general classification as a guy who's you know he's not here on vacation per se. He's riding his bike real hard, but he hasn't made it a priority to to win the race like he did a few years ago. But I think the, the story of the whole race are these young Americans. We've had you know three stages and three different guys in a long break each of the days, and um, they've uh, they've fallen back as the race has gotten closer to the finish. But you know they're riding their bikes pretty much a few miles one way or the other, 130 miles a day. And I went to the team area after the uh, stage yesterday and then stage before, and uh, there was a couple of guys leaning back in their chairs, and one one of the young guys, 21 years old, looked at the other and said, I've never done that before, <laughs> you know. Wow, and they that's crazy. Pro race and, and they're pretty wiped out. But, you know, one thing I, uh, as I get older, I've really appreciated is you go up to these guys and they don't they don't know me from anybody and I introduce myself and they're poised, they they're well spoken, uh they're they they do not speak in cliches like, like some of the athletes do in in mainstream sports. They're happy to meet you, uh, at least it appears that way. And and they have something to say, you know. They're they're young guys with the exception of Travis McCabe who's, you know, been around for quite a while. Uh, but these young guys are in the biggest race of their life. And they're competing against um, the best pros, many of the best pros in the world. And I've asked them a few times, you know, is there is there some tour, some sort of intimidation factor? And um, they've all said yes, except for then the bike race starts and you can't really worry about it. He said, one guy said, yeah, all of a sudden I'm looking and I'm, I'm riding my bike. I'm in the same bike race as Peter Sagan or Peter Sagan. And but then I say well, I'm not going to back down because it happens to be that guy. I've got to ride my bike, too, and I'm going for it. And so um, despite knowing who those guys are, it would be, you know, like a, when a Major League Baseball player jumps up from AAA to, to uh, the NBA or, or – The big leagues, uh, yep. You know, all that stuff. I hate to, hate to mix sports up like that, but um, these guys are, are – in some cases, they're almost half the age of the guys they're riding against who – you know, been around the world many, many times, and, and these guys so far are holding their own. Yeah, that's good to hear. Hope they do well. Well, does that kind of wrap it up uh, from your uh, car and driving aspect of the tour? Yeah. Well, well, great, Bruce. It's 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 a blast to be on the open road. Um, the Volkswagen is is going great. The Jetta. Um, you know, you and I have driven them uh, through the years, and other Volkswagens. I'm I'm a big fan of it, and uh, I think that um, despite all the diesel problems that they've had in the recent years, you know, Volkswagen's still a pretty good value for for what you get. You know, you get a sedan that's got kind of got the sports personality, sports car personality, which I I really appreciate. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They are still into uh, driving. Is their is their thing? Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Hey, I sure appreciate talking to you. Yeah, likewise, Bruce. We'll we'll catch up soon for for the next episode. So thanks for 
being available today, and it was it was fun to to kind of uh, uh, give an assessment of the race so far. I, I wish that this is my 14th year on this race, and I thought all different kinds of vehicles through the years, and it, it's just a, a good chance for me to get out on, on the open road and experience driving. Great, oh, good to hear. I'll see you back in the in our kitchen next week, huh? For the next edition. <laughs> In our in our kitchen studio. That's yes. great. I, I'm in the All bed. All right, Bruce. All right, yeah, take great. it easy. Bye. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. The Weekly Driver Podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today.